Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you. So glad you braved the elements to come out and worship this morning. Uh, I'm excited today because we are finishing up our series on Galatians that we've been in for quite a few weeks now. We've been working our way through this entire letter that Paul wrote, and I've just been having a great time digging into the truths there and how they apply to our life, and I've been hearing just awesome stories of all the people meeting in small groups during the week and just sharing time together in God's Word, and it's been a blessing, I think, to our church and to many of us personally. And so today we close out the series by looking at Galatians chapter 6. And the thing is, this could have been like a hundred week series because there is so much goodness in this book. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to at least read through the book of Galatians a couple times on your own. It's not super long, um, but I think it's well worth your while and God will really speak into your life through it. But today we're going to wrap things up. And I was thinking this week back to when I was a youth minister down in Bloomington. And one of the things I would do each summer is bring a group of youth up into the Boundary Waters on a canoe trip. And as a youth, my dad would lead trips. He's a pastor. And so I basically wanted to do the same trip that I was familiar with. So we used the same outfitter, which is at the top of the Gunflint Trail. You know, go up to Grand Marais, hang a left, and drive for about an hour. And our outfitter's name was Carrie, and Carrie's a really interesting guy. He has been in every single lake in the Boundary Waters and in Quetico in Canada, and he has a photographic memory. So one of the, the pleasures of leading a trip up there is we would drive up all day, we'd get up to Grand Marais for dinner, we'd get to the outfitter, we'd kind of get situated, and then all the leaders would go and meet with Carrie, and Carrie would help map out the route. And so I was sitting there with him, and he would say, you know, you go to this lake and stay at this campground, and the next day do this portage, and then go to this lake, and he would map out the trip. But the most helpful thing that Kerry would do is he would give us landmarks along the way. And he would say, okay, you canoe on this lake for a while, and then look for the second island that has been burned over. And then look for the third tree on the left, and then take a right there. And he knew where all the landmarks were. Now, for somebody who doesn't read maps all that well, it was super helpful to have some landmarks like that that Carrie would give us. And the reason I share that with you today is that as Paul wraps up his letter, what he is going to do today for us is give us some landmarks, two things that we can look at and we can evaluate whether we are living out the truth of the gospel, two ways to kind of do a self-check, to do a check as a church to make sure we are doing what God has called us to do. So that's our task together today. But before we dive into that, I want to refresh your memory, review where we've been, and I want to suggest that there are two main elements that sum up Galatians in a nutshell. Now the first of these, I'm pretty sure most of you, if you've been here through the series, can recite in your sleep. Because it's simply an equation that says Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The gospel in a nutshell, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. What this means is that Jesus has taken care of everything in what he's done on the cross and by rising again. He defeated the devil, he defeated death, he's done away with sin, and he gives us new life, a promise for the future. Jesus plus nothing equals everything that we need. 
And what Paul has been saying throughout this letter is anytime you add to Jesus, you actually subtract from him. Anytime you start to put more rules, regulations, traditions, preferences, anything you add onto Jesus actually turns it into a whole other gospel. It's no longer good news. It's no longer the hope that we need. It was a theme of the Reformation back in Martin Luther's day, Christ alone, what we heard in that beautiful song that was shared this morning by the men's group. Christ alone is where our hope is found. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's not about your performance. It's not about your spiritual resume. It's not even about your church attendance, even though I'm super glad you're here this morning. It's not about your political views. It's not about how you vote. It's simply Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the pure goodness of the gospel. The other part of the Galatian message is that when you receive the gospel, when you receive Jesus into your heart, it sets you free. When you receive the gospel, you are truly free. You see, every person on earth is trying to find freedom deep down. And everything this world tries to offer us always falls short. And so the gospel message is you can have freedom from your past, and you can have freedom for the present, and you can have freedom for the future because of what Jesus has done. Contrary to what we think, though, this freedom doesn't mean we can do whatever we want. It doesn't give us license to go out and just live it up. Because true freedom is actually letting the Holy Spirit lead us to love and serve others in Jesus' name. When we embrace the gospel, when we make it the center point of our life, well then we let go of our own selfish deeds and desires. And instead we seek to live in obedience to God. Not because we have to, not because we're trying to earn anything, but simply because we get to as an act of gratitude for what God has done for us. This is Galatians in a nutshell. It's such a core part of who we are as Christians. And so now today, Paul wants to leave us with two critical questions to help us see whether we're living this out in the best way. Two landmarks to help us take an assessment of where we are at in our faith journey. So the two questions we're going to address and that Paul talks about in Galatians 6 are these. What are you sowing and what are you boasting about? What are you sowing and what are you boasting about? So first off, Paul is telling us that we need to start thinking like farmers. That every day we are each planting seeds that will be harvested in the future. Every day as we live our lives, as we make choices and decisions along the way, we are planting seeds that one day will be harvested. And it should change the way that we think. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 6, 7. He says, a man reaps what he sows. And if you're taking notes on your note sheet, you'll notice that it got flipped around a little bit. So if you feel free to correct that. A man reaps what he sows, or I like how the New Living Translation puts it, you will always harvest what you plant. 
you will always harvest what you plant. Now, this is such an important principle that can be applied to every part of our lives. And if we just start to get this right personally, it has the potential to impact our life in so many positive ways. And I think we really know this to be true deep down already, that life is interconnected, that life is a series of choices and directional decisions that all work together to bring us to where we're at and make us who we are. Where you are at today in life is really the result of dozens and dozens of choices and decisions that you've made over the years. And where you will be tomorrow or sometime in the future is partially impacted by the choices and the decisions that you make today. There was a researcher at Columbia University who estimates that on a daily basis, we each make 70 key choices or decisions. 70 key choices or decisions each and every day which means every year we have about 25,000 key choices and decisions. And in 70 years of life, it's 1.8 million choices and decisions that impact our life. If we choose to be irresponsible or reckless or overly selfish, even for a moment, it can have an impact on our future. Yet the thing is, in the heat of the moment, we often live like we don't know this truth. We often fail to recognize how much of an impact what we do right now can affect our life in the future. You see, this is such an important truth for us to remember, especially in this series, as we've been focusing in on God's grace and God's forgiveness. Because when we look at that verse from verse 7, the way we would like it to read is a person reaps what they sow until we ask for forgiveness and then God makes everything okay. You know, we'd like to think, you know, God will swoop in because he's a graceful and loving God and he'll just do away with all the consequences. But unfortunately, that's not what Paul says. Paul says you will harvest what you plant. You'll reap what you sow. You see, there's consequences to our actions. When we make a bad choice, when we are irresponsible, when we don't take other people into account, it can still have a profound impact on our lives. God's grace doesn't erase our choices. Now, I've done a lot of pre-marriage and marriage counseling over the years, and oftentimes I've sat with couples who have said, you know, we had a a number of years where we kind of just lived it up and we did our own thing, but now we've come to faith and we're recommitting our life to Christ and, you know, we're excited about that, but we are still struggling in so many different ways. How can that be? I mean, we have recommitted our life. We're, we're in church every Sunday and we have to talk about this spiritual truth. It's what you sow that you will reap. It's what you plant that you will harvest. There are consequences for our actions. Now, there are so many personal and practical implications of what Paul is saying here. You know, if there's a part of your life that you are struggling with, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, your dating life, your professional life, or any other part of your life, if you're not where you want to be today, chances are you have sown and reaped your way to where you're at. For instance, if you have a ton of debt but you haven't saved money and you haven't managed your money well, 
and you're now trying to figure out why you're in financial trouble, you probably shouldn't be surprised it's what we plant that we harvest. If you're having relationship issues in any way, and you haven't invested the time and the energy into prioritizing that relationship, it probably shouldn't be surprising that you're at where you're at. It's what we reap, what we sow. Now the problem is it can be so humbling and challenging to personally apply what Paul is talking about here because it means we have to take personal responsibility for our choices. We have to own up to the things that we've done in the past. But it also is an incredible opportunity today to ask, how can I sow today what I want to reap tomorrow? How can I plant today what I hope to harvest in the future? You know, if you want to improve your marriage, if you want to improve your financial situation, if you want to become a better parent, you want to have better friendships, what are the steps that you can take today to make that a reality in the future? I mean, maybe it's making a priority to have a regular date night with your spouse. Maybe it's prioritizing family time and eating dinner together as a family. Maybe it's finally getting a budget put together. Maybe it's finding a mentor who can help point you in the right direction. See, it's important to consider what seeds are we sowing? What are we planting today and hoping to see in the future? But then Paul has an even bigger picture in mind. That it's not just about us as individuals. Because Jesus has given each one of us seeds of the gospel to be sown. Jesus gives each one of us seeds that can be sown for the gospel. You see, what he says is, whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, though, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now the problem is, in the church, just like all of society, there is often a consumeristic mentality. And we are hardwired as sinful human beings to always wonder what's in it for us. How can I get my way? What about me? And what Paul is telling us is that we are a team. And the question isn't what's in it for me, it's what can we do together? The church needs more contributors, not more consumers. You see, we are called to be more than members. We're called to be partners in the gospel. And you are called to be a missionary. Yet you don't even need a plane ticket necessarily or a passport. You're called to be a minister, but you don't need to go to seminary. Every one of us is sent out from this place into this week to represent Jesus as we plant seeds for the gospel. Each one of us plays a key role in God's plan to redeem this world. You see, Jesus has saved us from the reality of sin, and he invites us into a lifelong process of grace 
He's adopted us into his family. He's made us a part of his team, which means we have a mission. He's given us a mission to go and make disciples of every nation. And by his spirit and by his generosity, he's given each and every one of us resources that can be sown like seed to increase and further his love in the world for the sake of the gospel. Now consider this for a moment. You have been blessed with time and energy and thoughts and words and gifts and abilities and money and so much more to be used for the gospel. I mean, think about this for a moment. Your time is seed. How are you sowing it? Are you serving others, or are you just seeking to be served? Your words can be seed. How are you sowing your words? Are you building other people up in love, or are you gossiping? Are you negative? Are you complaining? Your thoughts are even seed. How are you sowing them? The Bible says take every thought captive. Measure it up against God's word. Your gifts and your abilities that have been given to you by God are seed. How are you sowing them? Are you giving to others? Are you contributing to the mission? Or are you just consuming? Your money is seed. How are you using it to sow into others? Are you investing in the gospel? Are you investing in the kingdom? You know, if you look at your bank statement, it's often been said, it gives you a clear picture of your priorities and what you're investing in. And I once heard someone say, we should manage our money like it's going to be printed on the front page of the newspaper. Think of all the resources and blessings that God has given you and me to be used as seed for the kingdom. Now, Paul says, specifically in Galatians 6, if you sow your seed only for yourself, the way he puts it is to please your own flesh. He says, you are going to reap nothing more than destruction. Selfishness and sin never bring joy. They never bring life. They always destroy and divide. But instead, Paul encourages us to sow our seed to please the Spirit. And how does that look? He says, by doing good to all people. And he says, when we sow seed to please the Spirit, it will reap eternal life. And that's because those seeds, as they are harvested, can bring more people into the kingdom. You see, church, the Christian life isn't about more meetings and more programs. It's about loving the people God puts in front of us each and every day. And this is why the world needs the church like never before. Because we have the life-changing message of the gospel, the only way that people can be saved but in order to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us, we need to be contributors, not just consumers. We need more people willing to be farmers every day sowing seeds for the kingdom, knowing that in God's timing, he will bring 
a harvest. We're on the same team. Let's not get sidetracked from our mission that God has given us. What are you sowing in today? Next, Paul says, consider what are you boasting in today? What are you boasting in? Now, I understand this is a really tough question for those of us who are Midwestern Scandinavians because we don't want to admit that we boast about anything, right? But there is something that I think we've all at least experienced or maybe done before, and it's something called the humble brag. Have you ever heard of this before? It's kind of a way to bring the spotlight on ourselves without really making it, you know, obvious. You know, it's kind of self-deprecating, but it's really lifting ourselves up. The place that I saw this very profoundly was in New York City one day. I was visiting my brother who lives there, and we went over to one of his work associates' apartments, And as we were sitting in his living room, he said, hey, I want to show you guys some lighting that I had installed. So we're like, all right. So we went into another room, and he he flipped on these new lights, and here's the picture of what I saw. Nine Grammy Awards. Kind of a humble brag way to show that he's kind of a big deal. And I don't know why there's a creepy doll there that was just kind of, (laughs) I guess, how how he sets things up. Now, when Paul says boast, it really means to rejoice in or to exult in or to be passionate about. Every single person boasts about something. Every one of us has a chief priority, a chief passion, something that we rejoice in and exult in. But Paul feels very strongly about this because he says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand which means he is the very first person to send an email with all capital letters, right? He's like yelling at this point. He's very passionate about what he's about to say. He's saying, don't miss this. It's so very important. Paul says, how dare we boast in anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ? He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the the world. How dare we boast in anything other than Jesus after all that he's done for us. He has sacrificed his life for us. He's given up everything on our behalf. On our own, we are nothing more than sinners who are lost But with Jesus, we are heirs of everything that is his. We are adopted into God's family. We have hope for the future. Now, Paul is also saying the world has so many other things that it would suggest that we boast in. The world boasts in achievements and performance and notoriety and fame. The world says, pretend like you're in control, that you have it all together, that you are self-sufficient, that you are bulletproof. The world says, what really matters is your title. What really matters is how much power you have. What really matters is your net worth. But because of Christ, Paul says, I have died to all of that. He says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul is saying, I no longer need to try to establish myself to try to show my value with anything of this world because my value comes solely through Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, it doesn't matter what other people think about me. 
at all because I know what God thinks about me and I'm worth dying for. So if you put this all together, there is an incredible truth that Paul is teaching us today. It's the mind-blowing good news of the gospel. And that's this. In Christ, your successes and your sins don't even enter the equation. In Christ, your successes, which will never earn you anything else from God, and your sins, which separate you from God, neither of those things even enter into the equation because of what Jesus has done, because of the good news of the gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When we put our faith in Jesus, he changes us from the inside out. We're born again. We're made right in God's sight. We are forgiven. We are adopted into his family. And that is something to be excited about. That is something to rejoice in and to even boast about. He's given us the most valuable gift in the world, the gift of his grace, and it came at a great cost to him. How could we think about boasting in anything else? In fact, the very best way that we can show our thanks and gratitude for what he's done is to love others and keep on planting seeds. The best response we can give to what God has done for us is to do what he said. Love others in his name. Go make disciples of every nation. And so Paul finishes up his letter with one more powerful verse. He says, may God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who do what? who live this out, who put it into practice because they are the new people of God. Now think for a moment, three of the things Paul says here. It's three of the things every person on earth is trying to find. God's peace. Wouldn't it be great if this world was a more peaceful place? Every person is searching for peace. And that peace comes through Christ alone. Mercy. Every one of us needs mercy. We all know the things we've done in the past, the things we've said in the past that still carry with us today. We're all in need of God's mercy. And then we are made into new people. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how we are adopted into God's family. We're given a new identity. It's the three biggest needs that we have. Peace, mercy, family, it all comes to the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the power of the gospel. So where are you sowing seeds today? And what are you boasting in? My hope and my prayer for us as a church is that this series has given us a clear foundation and a clear focus as we go forward, that we continue to be laser-focused on planting seeds of the gospel, that we always love Jesus and the mission that he's given us as a church more than how we do church.
that we're not content to boast in anything else except the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes the question comes up, what kind of legacy are we trying to build? And let's take our cue from Paul, it's not about us. It's not about us as individuals if we are ever remembered into the future. It's about building up the kingdom of God. That's all that matters. We should be the most humble, selfless, flexible people around. Every day asking ourselves, what can we do to help more people come to know Christ? Not how can I get my own way. How can more people come into a saving relationship with Jesus? Asking ourselves, how can we better create an environment where people far from Christ can feel welcomed to come and investigate and meet Jesus? Not how can I keep things the way that I prefer. Here's the brutal truth. Every statistic will tell us that the church is in decline all around the world. The church is in decline. And the same thing is true about this church specifically. And continuing to do things the way we've always done them will get us the same results. One day, you and I are going to stand before God and he's going to ask us, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? You were given the greatest gift that's ever been given. What did you do with that gift? Did you do whatever it takes to share it with others? Or were you more concerned with your own preferences and your own comfort? Did you put more energy and focus into arguing and debating processes and procedures? Or did you do what it takes to reach a lost world with the hope of the gospel? Church, let's continue to prioritize sowing seeds for the gospel let us never boast in anything else except the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest gift that you can ever be given. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Will you pray with me?